all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, working from home and wearing masks, worrying about family members and feeling that social isolation so many of us have felt, it seems that COVID-19-related anxiety has spilled into nearly every aspect of our lives, and for many of us, also invaded our dreams. Today, we have an expert with us to talk through how we can take charge of our dreams and find restful sleep. So we want to hear what's going on in your life and in your sleep today. So people are reporting just strange and intense, colorful and vivid dreams, and and many um, are describing also disturbing nightmares, sometimes related to COVID-19, but sometimes it just seems very strange, just troublesome dreams. Then you add on stressors that many of us have been experiencing over the last few weeks, the unusual weather, the broken water mains, flooded houses, difficulty finding good drinking water. Well, voila, you have the perfect storm for just bad sleep and and difficult dreams, right? And so um, today we want to talk about how maybe you can truly take charge of all of that. Um, Sleep specialists have noted a real uptick in in that reporting of stressful dreams. And, you know, not typically horrible nightmares for everybody, but just bad dreams, troublesome dreams, dreams where you just can't find your place, um, that you maybe are lost or confused. And it's clear that that happens Um, when there's an increase in anxiety. And so um, let's go ahead and pull our guest. I'm delighted to have Karen Bonner back, who is a licensed counselor and a sleep and dream expert, does lots of counselings around dream and and sleep. So she's going to help us delve into this. Hi, Karen. Welcome. Good morning, Dr. Buttress. Nice to hear your voice. Well, thank you. So, Karen, dreams and nightmares are really common, right? Yes. In, in everyone general, dreams. Yes. 
everyone dreams every night. If, if you're getting any kind of REM sleep, and even sometimes in the other stages of sleep, that everyone dreams every night, whether you remember them or not. Yes. So, and in in fact, I was seeing that upwards of 85% of adults will say that that they have dreams for sort of regularly. Children remember their dreams about 50% of the time, but just because you don't remember dreams doesn't mean you're not dreaming, right? That That is absolutely correct. Yes, dreaming is a natural part of our, you know, psychological system, of our body system. Uh, we all dream, uh, even other mammals dream. And there's been some a little bit of research uh, around um, anything that sleeps probably dreams. It, it's a function of working through our experiences during the day as well as the emotions that accompany those experiences during the day and sorting those out in our memory systems, so to speak. And so... It's just a natural part of who we are. Yeah. So interesting, as as I was delving into this topic, it does seem that, you know, REM, um, I've always been interested in sleep, as you know, Karen, because I love mm -hmm. having you on the show to talk about it. Um, there are stages of sleep. So there's the, the very light sleep at the beginning, and then you go through the different stages from light sleep into deep sleep. And then that REM sleep, that rapid eye movement sleep, is, is in deep sleep where you're, and it's called rapid eye movement because your, your eyes move back and forth, but the rest of you does not, um, which is probably a safety measure uh, mm -hmm. to keep you from hurting yourself during your dreams. But that's when we typically do most of our dreaming, right? Yes, that is usually when we have dreams that have some sort of narrative thread. Uh, even, even bizarre dreams still tell a kind of story. And that's what we usually remember out of REM sleep. Occasionally, the other stages of sleep will throw up images just images, perhaps. But that REM sleep is when we get a kind of story uh, that makes up our dream. Yeah. Yeah. And if you watch somebody in, in REM sleep, sometimes it can be, it, it almost, you can, if you take blood pressure or heart rate, they go up, mm -hmm. brain activity becomes much more intense. And and there, there have been studies that show people who don't get into good deep sleep truly start having um, memory and printing problems, concentration issues, and, and the like. So it seems like something that is very, very necessary for human beings to, to be able to function well in the daytime. And, and one thing that we know... Um, through studies, too, is that it appears that if individuals miss out on a lot of good sleep and have not enough REM sleep, that not that you can ever catch up on it, but it does seem that um, you can have increased REM sleep, which may increase uh, nightmares if you've been very fatigued. 
in the previous days, correct? Yes, that's right. That's right. There can be a kind of bounce back in the REM sleep if you have missed the REM sleep. It, it, it just seems to be a very necessary part of how our brains and our minds function. That, that, is, that is true, yes. Also, I want to add this. Not only does it affect memory, cognition, response time, but it affects mood. When we mm-hmm. don't get enough REM sleep, our mood is affected. Um, it, it, for some folks, it spikes anxiety. For other folks, it makes them feel down uh, and, and depressed. But it certainly affects mood as well as those other brain functions. That's, and that's something I definitely want to talk about also, because we know that everybody has had a little bit, not maybe not everybody, but I would say the majority of our population has had a little bit of bump in a negative mood due to everything that's gone on from, like I mentioned, not just COVID, but the weather, the water, the, the change in environment, everything. People are just having a lot of stressors and so um, many times with stressors people tend to do things that impair sleep Um, have too much media time too much screen time drink too much alcohol eat too much eat too much bad stuff all of that can interfere with sleep and so as we move through the show today i want to talk about um you know, we can certainly talk about dreams. I want to hear from our listeners to talk about that. But I also want to talk about how we can make this all better uh, for everybody. So listeners, as you know, I love having you call in. Tell us what's going on in your life. We want to hear about your dreams. We want to hear about your questions. You can call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We want to hear about your your innermost concerns about your sleep or your lack thereof, and maybe we can come, come up with a way to help you. Um, knowing that the majority of adults need at least seven to eight hours of sleep, um, children need more. And so what we want to do is make sure that we, we talk through how to improve that. But then I want us also to have a little bit of conversation about what do you think your dreams or nightmares mean? Um, have you had some reoccurring things? I think we've talked about that over and over again. We know that there tend to be reoccurring um, type things. And as we move along in the show, we can we can talk about that. Uh, Karen Bonner is here with us to, to help us understand what's going on. So we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we'll jump into maybe a little bit about those dreams and what they mean. We'll be right back. Charms whenever I want you All I have to do is dream 
I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. The original Southern Remedy is available as a podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Well, welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with Karen Bonner, licensed counselor, who is also a dream and sleep expert, and we're going to talk about those, maybe not always sweet dreams that are there, but sometimes those nightmares, and, and what can they mean, or is there really a specific meaning to any of it? We all spend about, uh, gosh, a quarter of our night's sleep in REM sleep. And like we said before the break, dream cycles occur um, more in REM sleep. And that occurs about every 90 minutes. And REM becomes a little longer and more intense in the latter half of the night. So, you know, the actual duration of a dream can range from maybe just two or three minutes to as long as, oh gosh, even 45 minutes. Um, And then obviously you're going to remember your dreams if you wake up um, either during them or right at the end. And the way your sleep cycles go is that your your you go from stage one into your deep sleep, your REM sleep, and then you curve back up and you go into light sleep. So if you happen to wake up during that stage one, that light sleep again, if you wake all the way up instead of you're just partially awake, then that's when many times we may be um, startled by our dream. Um, So uh, just a little added information to think about how this is happening. We all dream. It's good for us. We need to dream, okay? Um, So with that, I'm going to, I think, uh, Michelle, you have a a question. And then we have um, Stephen from, I'm not sure where Stephen's from. Stephen is from Boonesville. (laughs) Mississippi. Oh, yes. Okay. My question is, yeah, my question yeah. is real quick, <laughs> and I really wanted Stephen to go first, but it's okay. Um, question was, do all dreams have a meaning? Um, do they mean something, or do we just randomly dream about things? Or, again, does every dream have is some, trying to tell you something? So, <clears throat> the way. I approach dreams 
the answer is yes. They all have something that uh, is important for us to recognize in our conscious waking life. Now, it really does depend, though, on the content of that dream, but the content of that dream includes the feeling tone of the dream. So even if it is difficult to see right away what the meaning of particular action or particular images are, start with the feeling tone. Was it an anxious dream? Was it a happy dream? Um, you know, was it a frustrating dream? Start with that and and look for where that might be manifesting itself in your waking life. It may be that your psyche, that you're dreaming, is trying to work through certain emotions that you experienced the day before or possibly the day before that, uh, or possibly something in your waking time triggered an old wound, an old event. And Mm -hmm. in your psyche, it brings it back up again to try to get it solved again. I hope that answers the question. Yes, I, I believe think it every does, dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every dream well, you every remember dream has a meaning. Doesn't necessarily mean that the dream will come true. Doesn't no. necessarily mean that you you truly are going to float be floating down from an airplane without a parachute, right? It just <laughs> means that there's something that stimulated that that uh, particular dream so and the key to this is to remember that that part of our brain that generates the dreams is this is is the same part of the brain that generates imagination that generates Mm -hmm. creativity and so our dreams speak more symbolically than they do literally and sometimes that's hard to kind of remind ourselves wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute what might this mean symbolically not not concretely and not literally yeah and not literally okay well let's go on to Stephen Stephen I'm excited to hear what your question is Stephen from Boonsville hi hello um I I I want to start by saying that I'm not trying to be cute or facetious in what I'm going to ask about dreams but I'm very curious about this and if any research or study has been done on it. I, uh, part of my career has involved driving handicapped uh, passengers to medical appointments. And along the way, I have met some uh, residents or customers on the bus that were blind. Some of them were blind uh, from birth. Some were blind later in life. I've, Mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone mention this, but I'm very curious to use an example of someone who was born blind, do they actually dream? And if so, my question involving that is, is saying, um, is, is, does all dreaming have to involve visual images? So I, I would be curious if there would be a, a blind listener or someone who knows someone who's ever discussed that, if they could call in and respond uh, or if, some, if that question has ever been asked. You know, actually, um, there has been a fair amount of research on um, blind individuals and and sleep in general. 
Um, Karen, I'll be interested to hear if you know how much has been done on dreams, but I can assure you that blind people dream. I would love to hear a call from an individual who is visually impaired. You know, we have a wonderful reading service um, that is led by Mike, who uh, is also visually impaired. And I don't know if he's listening, but I'd love to have mm -hmm. someone who is visually impaired. I know we have several listeners. Give us a call because I love your questions, Stephen, um, about that. Um, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672. 7464. Um, just before I turn this over to you, Karen, I'll, I'll just um, add a uh, note that as we've talked about before, the daylight and dark are what helps us with our sleep cycles. Darkness drives up melatonin, which is a naturally occurring hormone in our brain that causes us to be sleepy. And so individuals who are severely visually impaired and don't have the light and darkness many times, um, young children who have that issue, we end up having to give them melatonin to help set a cycle with that. So um, Karen, do you have some comments or any knowledge about research and if dream quality is any different in visually impaired? Yes, I have some experience with uh, folks who have lost their sight a little bit later in life, not born without sight. And my experience with those folks is that they do have visual, they have visual images in their dreams. Now, they, they lost their sight later on, and so they have a memory of having their sight. And when they dream, they often dream of things it's a visual dream just like just like sighted people have so that is my experience my, my hands-on experience with that I have not done a lot of research about that but the little bit that I've done indicates that people who have not had their sight since birth and were born without sight they of, they still dream, but the other senses are tapped into. The senses that they are, in fact, using um, their hearing, they have auditory dreaming, for instance, or tactile mm -hmm. dreaming. Uh, mm -hmm. For the rest of us, the visual aspect of dreaming is the predominant. Um, the predominant way we get our dreams and and auditory aspects of it are usually just tiny fragments um, of our of our dreaming time that's that's what I know uh, that I'm pretty confident in but I too would be very very interested to hear from people who um, uh, have more experience in this it, it, it's a fascinating question yeah yeah good question um, and I have learned that we have Mike from our radio reading service who is going to come on. We'll go to break first. And um, and I, Mike, who, like I said, is visually impaired, is going to talk to us about his experiences, I believe, and uh, when we get back. But I would love to hear from any others who may be listening, who have some thoughts or comments or knowledge about 
this area, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. We are talking about dreams, dreams, nightmares, anxiety, what's going on with all the stressors. And particularly right at this moment, we're talking about the visually impaired. Um, and if the dream quality or dream type is any different, um, any kind of experience, we'd love to hear from you. But we want to hear from anybody who has a question about dreams, um, what dreams they're having, maybe a little bit of how to make it better. We'll be talking about that as we move along in the show. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Karen Bonner. And we're talking about dreams. Uh, We're talking about what could your dreams mean? Um, Is it a sign that something bad maybe is going to happen? Or is it a sign that perhaps you're stressed or things are maybe good. Do you have good dreams? I'd like to hear about some of those too. Um, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Now, before the break, we were talking about dreams and the visually impaired, and we do have Mike Duke, who is head over our radio reading service with us back, and we have Paul from Hattiesburg on the line. Let's jump to Paul first, since he's holding on the phone, and hear what Paul's question or comment is, and then we'll bring um, Mike Duke in. Hi, Paul. Thank you for taking my call. I don't have a question about um, the those who are you know lacking sight, which I think is uh, really interesting from a brain operation standpoint. But I am curious about um, what the accepted sort of I guess research or knowledge is on the idea of lucid dreaming, people who believe they can train Mm -hmm. themselves to recognize patterns while dreaming that allow them to gain an awareness of their dream while still asleep and to become an agent and, I guess, active in their dream. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Paul, or asked that question. And I know Karen has comment on that because we've talked about lucid dreaming before. So, Karen, I'm going to hand that one to you first. Fantastic. Lucid dreaming. There's been a lot of interest in lucid dreaming, uh, especially in the past few years. There's there's been some new publications come out about lucid dreaming. Uh, It has a long and storied history. Um, There's a um, 
a practice in ancient Tibetan Buddhism, for instance, uh, where uh, to cultivate lucid dreaming is their highest spiritual practice. Um, so uh, the idea of becoming aware within a dream that one is dreaming, but without waking up, remaining in the dream. And as you said, Paul, to, to, uh, to have some agency in the dream, to make some very conscious choices instead of letting the dream just uh, act upon the dreamer, so to speak. Um, and uh, it, it's been very interesting to learn that in order to, to be able to cultivate this ability, and apparently some people do it quite naturally, uh, I've had some clients that do this quite naturally, don't need to do a thing. They just do it. And then, um, but, but we all have some capacity to begin to perhaps learn how to do this. Um, uh, but the purpose of it then is to begin to ask the questions within the dream that we need some answers to. In other words, uh, the practice of being able to ask a dream character, what brings you here? What have you got to say to me? And, and yeah. one thing I want to say about this is, is, is this. It is the, the sense of ego. It's the I in the dream that becomes awake and has this agency, the ego. But we have to remember that the whole of the unconscious that sends up the dream is still larger than the ego. So whatever the ego decides to do in the dream lucidly, the rest of the psyche will answer back. Mm -hmm. And so this, wow. it, right? So this, this idea of I'm controlling my dream is a, maybe misses the mark a bit. Yes. Yeah, right? It, but it does show us a way to become in closer dialogue with the rest of the psyche, be in a closer relationship with the, with the unconscious, if you will. And, and wow. that, that seems to really bear fruit. Folks who, who are able to do this report uh, a sense of well-being, a, a mood uh, enhancement, for instance. It, it's a fascinating subject. And um, it, it, it is to me too, Karen, and it seems like that um, it, if you are able to achieve this, maybe you're able to sort of shift the dreams or the nightmares from something very negative mm -hmm. and take control and make it more positive in a way, correct? Well, that's a, that's a, great, a great thought. Uh, whatever it is that's scaring us in our nightmares, whatever it is that's after us, um, that we feel threatened by, if we can learn to turn and face that thing in the dream now, in the dream, mm -hmm. that thing often transforms on the spot. If we will turn and face the threatening image, the threatening character or animal, it often will transform on the spot. And practice or Practitioners of lucid dreaming will take it one step further and, and ask that character, what have you come to show me? What have you come to tell yeah. me? Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's go now. I took Paul, uh, Mike, 
Thank you, Paul, for that call. That was an interesting question. I'm, I've been interested in lucid <coughs> dreams a lot. And I'm going to just ask Mike to come in now because we pulled Mike away from his desk and he needs to get back to work. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Came in with the hook and the rope and I hung onto the desk and it was going out the door, so I had to let it go. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Well, Mike, I'm sure Michelle has filled you in if you weren't able to listen to the show. Just the questions about the visually impaired. Do you have visual dreams? Do you have auditory dreams? All right. Um, and tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born totally blind, so I have never had the perception of, of color. Uh, I have had some light, what they call light perception, but I have no, no concept of, of color coming through my eyes or shapes coming through my eyes. And so... When I dream, I dream in the, in the other senses, uh, the sound, smell, taste, you know, whatever, but but not with vision. Uh, you know, I have crazy dreams sometimes, you know, like anyone else, but the eyes don't work in the dreams any more than they work sitting here at this table now. Uh, so then, uh, that's just my experience. Now, if you ask that's a person, if you ask a person who lost their vision as a young adult or as an adult or as a, uh, you know, a juvenile or whatever, I don't know what they would tell you. Uh, mm -hmm. But but mm -hmm. for me, having never had sight, uh, I don't have it in my dreams. And, uh, and I've told this story before because the subject actually came up when I was in college and I was talking to a group of special ed majors. Uh, someone asked about dreams and, and, uh, we, and I gave them that same statement that I just gave you and they, they ask about some of my dreams and I said well one of the and and the sometimes people think I'm kidding when I say this but one of the absolute worst dreams I ever had I was behind the wheel of my parents car and there was no one else in it and I woke up literally scared to death <laughs> and and you know and that's a fact with you know with uh, but but you know uh I really am not kidding when I say that I had that dream one time because I, I, I remember waking up being absolutely frightened more than I remember the dream itself. Don't know where I was going in the car. I was just in it, and it was going somewhere, and there was, was nobody else somewhere. in there to, to tell it where to go, and this was long before the Google car. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, you know, that's that's sort of an extreme, I guess, example of dreaming and, and being blind in your dream. Uh, but yeah. but that that dream actually did happen to me. But, but you know, mostly uh, when I dream, always when I dream, I dream as a blind person. Right, and which completely makes sense if you think about it, because in your your brain there's a visual cortex, there's visual memory. If you don't have the visual memory to imprint then you're not going to have those visual memories to pull back up. But you have all these other memories, the tactile and auditory memories, the, the smells and the taste. And so that makes perfect sense for an individual who has never had uh, sight. Now, it makes also perfect sense that people who had sight, who were sighted at one time and then lost it, that they still have some visual memory that they can pull on. So if you think about it from a neuroanatomy, 
neurologic standpoint, it makes perfect sense. And I really appreciate you coming on, Mike, um, and talking about that. Karen, it sounded like you were going to make a comment. or Can I ask Mike sure. a question? Sure. Hi, Mike. Um, thanks for answering that question. And here's, here's, here's what I want to ask of you. When you had that very frightening dream, um, how old were you? I was trying to think about that when I got ready to tell that story. I was, I think, a teenager, maybe 13 or 14. Okay, okay. Um, and, and so I'm thinking about that in terms of, um, again, to go back to the symbolic aspect of that dream, of steering, of drive, of uh, direction, things like that. Do you Does that resonate with you in any kind of way? Well, yeah, I don't. I get. I don't know if I've ever done that. Uh, what you were talking what? about about turning turning the tables on it in your dream and confronting it and, and making it go away. I don't know if I've ever done it. I suppose I have subconsciously or whatever. But uh, and and fortunately, I've not had that driving the car dream again. But in terms of um, thinking about it, in terms of thinking about the direction of your life, of steering your own life. You know, do you see what I'm saying? I, I do, um, and and I've done that so much. I don't know, you know, that that dream itself didn't motivate me to do that. If, if that's what you're asking, but uh, yeah, uh, but uh, I, I don't I know. Wonder, I have I have no yeah. idea where the dream came from, what where prompted it, it or from. anything. You know, I just remember <laughs> it was pretty vivid, and I was very scared <laughs> when I woke up. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me wonder, too, if it didn't. We can just make things up here, Mike. But makes me wonder if, as a teenager, you were kind of wishing that you could drive, and then your dream convinced you, no, you really don't want to do that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, we all have those moments now, even when we'd say, you know, it sure would be a convenience to be able to say, uh, okay, Google, take me to so-and-so. But uh, uh, And I don't want to have the first Google car on my block. That's a whole other story. But that's... Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, it, that's quite possible. It, you know, it is quite possible. Yeah. And, and as a, you know, we've all wished we could do things that we can't. That's that's human. Right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I'm sure the radio station wants us to let you go and let you go back to work. We appreciate you. We have some callers on the line too, so you helped answer our question, and we appreciate that. All right. Well, let's go back to the phones, and we have Janet from Starkville. Hi, Janet. Um, I have a question about paralyzed dreams. Uh, I have them um, maybe once a month or so, and they're very scary. You know, I'm, I feel like my body's I can't move. I feel like I'm awake. I can uh -huh. hear things. I can hear, hear music. I can maybe see people or hear people talking, or and um, I try to get out of them. Mm -hmm. Is there an easy way to get out of them without panicking? So well, uh, I've got some experience with this, Janet. Um, I've got a, uh, I've had clients in the past that have suffered from this. When we fall asleep and and we go into our sleep cycles. There's a, a brain chemical, if you will, that paralyzes us so that we don't sleepwalk, sleep talk, act out our dreams, you know. And so it's a kind of a brain chemical that paralyzes us temporarily. Kind of a safety measure, right? Right, to keep right, us right. from hurting ourselves. Yeah. Right. And so when we come back out of sleep, when we wake up for the day, you know, 
that brain chemical received. But sometimes, and it depends, some people are just just kind of born born this way. It just is part of their makeup. Uh, it's it's not terribly unusual. I hear about this, you know, pretty frequently. Uh, but that brain chemical starts to recede. It starts to recede, mm-hmm. and in the meantime, you're awake. You're you're awake, but there's this feeling that you can't move. Now, here's the, I think here's the key to this thing. In going into and coming out of sleep, we also experience time distortion. And so what feels like lying there very paralyzed for a very long time may not be but a couple of minutes. And so the self-talk that you give yourself is, this is going to be over in just a moment. This is going to be over in just a couple of minutes. I know what this is. You, mm-hmm. you assure yourself, you know what this is. I know what this is. I've experienced mm-hmm. it before, and I'll be fine in just a couple of minutes. It'll be okay. Yes. And that it's, mm-hmm, that's it's okay. getting stuck in, the, in between the sleep stages a bit. Mm-hmm. Remember, in REM sleep, you're paralyzed um, for your safety. And then as you're either going in or coming out, you're kind of stuck. So that's a, um, Karen, that, that's a, a great thing. And, and to reassure yourself, I do what? find, haven't you ever awakened and thought that you had a dream that lasted forever? Mm-hmm. And right, and at the most, it, it's probably 45 minutes at the very mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that is called hypnagogic hallucinations. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fancy name, Janet, but uh-huh. um, that All right. I think your suggestion, Karen, is is a very good one. Does that does that does that help, Janet? It does. It does because sometimes I try to move or wiggle my toes or something, and then I tell myself, "Let me just go with it. Let me see what happens." Mm-hmm. Like yeah. let. If whoever's out there making that noise, maybe I can confront him or something, like I were talking in the last caller. But um, uh, I, I try to do that, but sometimes it's too scary for me to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. that that is a good suggestion, and um, you know, I've, I've you're going to reassure yourself now, right? And you're yes. going to tell yourself it's okay and it'll be over. Right. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Janet. Okay, we have a couple of co- other callers. I want to. We're going to skip the break so we can get to the next two. We have Chief Rainwater from Wilkinson County. Hi, thanks for calling. Tell how us you what doing? your thoughts are. Yes, my thoughts are. Uh, I, I'm really uh, glad to hear y'all talking about this. I have studied these things uh, for many, many years as a Native American Indian, and I'm a member of a Native American church. I'm a recognized uh, spiritual leader, a shaman, medicine person. Uh-huh. And uh, I would like for you to uh, briefly uh, speak on about the native cultures in North and South America. And I've studied of other cultures around the world uh, on a uh, spiritual basis, on the dreams. And uh, even when we awake, I've had a vision some years ago that turned my life around. One morning, I heard a hawk screeching in the woods, and a vision appeared to me like a great big golden eagle out of the east. And it got me to looking into things about uh, Native American teachings. And my grandfather is a medicine person, 
And it began to change my life and put me on a path where I'm at now. And it's helped me greatly. And I've studied different tribes on their beliefs and dreams and visions and so forth. And I understand that some things that we can take into our bodies, teas and herbs and stuff like this, kind of help us or alter our dreams and stuff. And I'm I'm going to leave it at that, and I'd like to hear you mm-hmm. comment on that. Thank you. Thank you, Chief Rainwater, for calling in. Now, that's interesting. Karen, do you have any, any comments on that? I, I do. Thank you, Chief Rainwater, uh, for bringing to our attention the spiritual aspect of, of dreams and dream work. Uh, that's, that's how I came to dream work in the first place, was as a spiritual discipline. And, you know, there are some aspects of our dreaming life. There are certain dreams that many people report having maybe once or twice in their lifetime, a dream that is so impactful, that is so um, compelling, that the imagery is like nothing that they have experienced in their waking life, an intensity um, that inspires a kind of awe a kind of of fear, but not, not scary, but more awe-inspired. And those dreams, for me, as well as for Chief Runwater, it sounds like, and for some other folks, are pivotal in changing the direction of our lives. I gave up mm-hmm. my old career uh, in order to do this for a living as a result of a series of dreams, no question about it. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that is an aspect of our, our dreaming that, that I think is terribly important, but it's very sensitive. And, and people, uh, you know, are wary of telling those rather numinous dreams, and they should be. They are they're very personal. They're very sacred things. But that, that's there. It's there. And, and I want, I'm glad he, Chief Rainwater, brought that to our brought attention and acknowledged that. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Great, thank great, you. thank you. Okay, well, let's go to Ralph from Vicksburg is next. Hi, Ralph, thanks for calling. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have a couple of points I want to make. One is I when I dream, I dream in terms of ideas or concepts of people, not actual physical beings that I can visualize. Uh, that's one thing. I don't know how many people do that. And the second thing is I come across, you know, knowledge, information, or uh, that I don't have it in my, you know, awake moment. I, I never had it. And sometimes the dialogues that come in there are so natural for this part that I would not have been able to make up those dialogues, you know, uh, in my awake moments. And that mm-hmm. is something always, you know, surprises me. And uh, I'm also, uh, my, my most of the time, I'm also both an observer as well as a subject or participant in these dreams. So I'm, I'm, I'm half awake or whatever. I'm half conscious that I'm dreaming and that I'm also the person in the dream. So, you know, this goes along with the, the point some of you, uh, the people were making earlier. So, you know, uh-huh. the, those were basically my comments. And also I'm curious what percentage of people dream in color. Okay. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Karen, um, in the next minute, can you tell us, give us a little answer to Ralph? I can. I can. Uh, I have said often 
to my workshops as well as to my clients that the unconscious is way smarter than we are. The, our unconscious is way smarter than our ego. And it, it's controversial research going on as to how much knowledge is embedded in us that is inherited, so to speak, a collective unconscious where there's embedded information in our very DNA, possibly, that sometimes makes itself known in our dreams. So that's that's one thing. It, it, it's an interesting concept to think about. Another thing to think about is um, that uh, idea of being observer as well as being an actor in the dream, observer and an actor in the dream. That's fairly common, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Right. You know, and the observer aspect of it is that the first thing that you ask yourself upon awakening is, all right, what has this dream come to show me? I'm an observer here. But I want to say something about color real quick. Uh, Most people, if not everyone, dreams in color if they, in fact, see in color during the day. However, however, the color aspect of it fades over time. If we get up and write our dream down right away, we can probably recall most colors. As the dream fades in our memory, the color fades, unless it's a very strong color to call our attention to that image. It's kind of like a sepia-tone photograph. Yeah. So that's uh, we could talk about this for hours, I think. Thank you so much, Karen Bonner. Um, but our show is at an end. If you want to hear this again, listen, or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. So this show is a production of MPB Think Radio and engineered by Michelle McAdoo. And the wonderful Java Chapman was our call screener. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. 